You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. When miscarriages are a crime, only criminals will have miscarriages. It's been a while since we kicked the shit out of Utah. Let's get to it. A law passed by the Utah House and Senate is sitting on the governor's desk in Utah. Nobody found out about it until just last week. But the bill – I'm just going to read from the news stories. A bill passed by the Utah House and Senate this week and waiting for the governor's signature will make it a crime for a woman to have a miscarriage. In addition to criminalizing an intentional attempt to induce a miscarriage or abortion, the bill creates a standard that could make women legally responsible for miscarriages caused by reckless behavior. Using the legal standard of reckless behavior, all a district attorney needs to show is that a woman behaved in a manner that is thought to cause miscarriage even if she did not intend to lose the pregnancy. Okay, where to begin unpacking that? Who knew that unintentional, self-induced, reckless, or malicious miscarriages were a huge problem in Utah, but apparently they are. The governor signs this insane bill into law. A woman in Utah who accidentally induces a miscarriage can be charged with criminal homicide and sentenced to life in prison. Now, what's really batshit about this is if you're going to enshrine in law the idea that every miscarriage is a potential homicide, just as every death is a potential homicide, which is why we have to investigate every death, how does Utah avoid launching a criminal investigation every time a woman has a miscarriage? And women have a lot of miscarriages. One in four pregnancies end in miscarriage. And how is Utah supposed to know when a woman who's pregnant has had a miscarriage unless Utah is keeping track of all pregnant women. And since a lot of women have miscarriages without even realizing they're pregnant, how is Utah supposed to keep track of all those fetuses and all those potential miscarriages and potential homicides unless it starts to, I don't know, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly pregnancy tests for all women, compulsory in Utah, just to make sure that everybody knows when they're pregnant and so that nobody can hide a pregnancy that they intend to, you know, just for shits and giggles, recklessly induce a miscarriage just to get away with it, just because miscarriages are such a blast. It boggles the mind, really. And just when, you know, you're getting cranked up about what Utah is about to do, you open the paper and you find out what Iowa has already done. In Iowa, it looks like Accidents for pregnant women are illegal now, and so are doubts. A woman who fell down the stairs in her house, pregnant woman, cleared by the paramedics who came to her house, but she decided to go to the emergency room to have her baby checked because she was concerned about her pregnancy, about the baby she was carrying, a baby she intended, she wanted to keep. And while the nurse was chatting with her, the woman whose husband has left her, who's in a you know unemployed in bad straits shared with this nurse that there was a time early on in her pregnancy when she thought about getting an abortion or giving the kid up, the baby up for adoption, but she changed her mind and had decided to keep it. Hence, being in the hospital in the first place, having herself checked out after her accident, even though the paramedics who came to her home told her she was fine. The nurse called in a doctor, 
had the woman repeat her story for the doctor, and the doctor called the police. And the woman spent two days in jail. Because the whatever happened to doctor-patient confidentiality? I guess that's not a right pregnant women enjoy in America, or at least in Iowa, anymore. I've said it before. I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it one more time, and then we'll get to your questions. The religious right, which is, of course, behind batshittery like this, what's about to happen in Utah, what just happened in Iowa, they've convinced most straight Americans that their beef really uh, is just with the homos. But they really have an agenda for all y'all straight people, too. And it's a much more pernicious even agenda. They just don't want us to exist. Good luck with that. They don't want us to exist. Hence the ex-gay bullshit. They have a million little rules and regulations that they want to impose on your lives if you're straight. They won't want you to be able to use birth control. They're trying to redefine birth control as abortion. They don't want you to be able to get an abortion. If you have an accident and accidentally miscarry, they want to be able to charge you with reckless homicide. So that what? All pregnant women who know that they're pregnant sit perfectly still for nine fucking months lest they run afoul of the uterus police? They're coming for you. Straight people, still, still, they're coming for you. And you guys better stand up and defend your own rights or you're not going to have them. Don't let them distract you with the anti-gay horseshittery. They're after you too. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 60,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage today. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hey, Dan. So I have a dilemma. I um, dated this guy for about three weeks, and he cheated on me three times during this time period. So we broke up, and uh, when we broke up, I was a nice guy. And I told him I would not spread it around why we broke up. Um, so I haven't, as we've been telling each other, you know, we've been, I've been telling people that we just kind of went our separate ways. However, um, now it's a bit more complicated because he had just started dating one of my other good friends. Um, and I kind of want to tell my good friend uh, kind of the nature of my ex-boyfriend so that he doesn't get himself in the same predicament. But I don't know if that's any of my business or if I should just stay out of it. The question here is really to whom do you owe your allegiance? Your skanky, lying, cheating ex to whom you made a promise, perhaps under duress, to get him the fuck out of your life? Or your good friend that your skanky, lying, cheating, scummy ex is dating? I think you owe your first allegiance to your good friend and he deserves a heads up. If your good friend is really besotted with this guy, he'll probably be angry with you for, you know, making the scales fall from his eyes or appearing to want to monkey wrench their relationship because you'll just perhaps seem a bit like a bitter ex. So, uh, you know, inoculate yourself against those charges by saying, he's a great guy. I really liked him. When we were dating, this happened. It was really kind of awkward. It put me perhaps in a position from a health point of view. That was untenable. I just wanted to give you a heads up. But, you know, if, maybe he's past that now. And you, if you guys can make it work, I'm all for it. But I really, as your friend, thought you should know dot, dot, dot. If your friend freaks, your friend freaks. 
if he's turned over a new leaf, he'll prove himself worthy of your friend and they'll be together forever and you can apologize down the road. What's likelier to happen, though, is he'll dick your friend around, too. And even if your friend freaks out on you, six months later, your friend will come to you and say, should have listened to you, should have listened to you. Uh, he was the scumbag that you warned me that he was. Hey, Dan, uh, this is Jack from Florida. Uh, 24, male, uh, straight, single. Sometimes some girls, some like women I know try to mess with my uh, my nipples, and it doesn't really do anything for me at all. Um, you know, I'm aware that some females, they like that. Some, you know, could care less, and others dislike it. So I was wondering, is it the same for males? I mean, are there actually males that like having their, you know, man boobs messed with? Because I, I have it done to me, and I'm like, what kind of look at them like they're retarded? Like, what are you doing? Um, so that answer could probably clear up a few things, and maybe I won't look at females that as retarded when they try. Uh, thanks. There are indeed many men out there who like their man boobs messed with. Uh, most gay men like their man boobs messed with, at least in part, I think, because gay men aren't hung up on it being girly or effeminate or gay to like your tits played with. The women that you're sleeping with, the retards who are lunging for your tits, have perhaps been to bed previously with men whose nips, as they say in gay land, are quote-unquote wired. That's what people say. They say they're wired when they mean they're wired from their, you know, there's a wire running from their nipples to their dick. And if you play with one, you're playing with the other. Give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't think they're trying to, you know, viciously abuse or assault your nipples. They're just pulling something out of the bag of tricks that perhaps worked on other guys. And, you know, there's also the chance, the very real chance, that they're lunging for your nipples not out of concern for your pleasure, but because they enjoy it. Because it turns them on to play with your man boobs. And I think you should make with the man boobs uh, if it turns your partner on. You can always say to your partner, that doesn't really do anything for me. And she'll probably drop it because she doesn't, you know, if she's doing it for you. But she might look at you and say, I love chewing on man boobs. And then you're just going to have to endure. You don't give your age. I suspect you're young. Uh, lots of men's nipples become more sensitive as they age. I don't know why that is. But there are people that I know uh, that I'm very, very close to who I first met when they were 23 whose nipples were completely unresponsive and now uh, are their favorite things. I'm not going to name names because I'll get divorced, but I think you can all put that together. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 60,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider is The 19th Wife, which is a novel by David Ebershoff. It's a crime novel set in my favorite state, Utah. It takes a long, hard look at fringe Mormon polygamy culture. Also, I'm reading right now Wolf Hall by Hilary Mantel, the Man Booker Prize winning novel about the court of Henry VIII, about Thomas Cromwell, and it is absolutely fascinating and it's available to download at audible.com once again for a free audiobook of your choice today wolf hall i recommend it go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage that's audiblepodcast.com slash savage hi dan i am a 23 year old uh, female 
I've been with my boyfriend for about eight months. And uh, last night I came home after a night out with the girls and he was in bed and I decided I needed to do a sneak attack, um, which I've never really done before. I was a little tipsy, came in, lights are off and, you know, decided I should give him a blowjob, um, which he pushed me away at first, not really being awake and then uh, seemed to enjoy it and everything went well. And afterwards, he told me that he was jarred and that he felt uh, sort of accosted, like he had been molested, um, which is not what a girl wanted to hear after uh, what I thought would be a nice surprise. Um, should I read into that a little more? He later said, no, it was great, it's fine, and kind of brushed it off because um, he knew it kind of upset me that he said that. But I'm just wondering, I thought most guys would like that kind of thing, and I know previous people <laughs> did like that thing. So anyway, uh, thanks. I wrote a column once about people in long-term relationships that got me in a lot of trouble because I used this phrase, uh, a state of implied consent, that in a long-term relationship, uh, an established sexual relationship, that there sort of exists a state of implied consent where you can kind of go for it. You know, I don't have to obtain my partner's consent every time I initiate a sex act because we've been initiating the shit out of each other for a very long time and we kind of know uh, when each other's up for it, what we're good with, what we like, what we don't like. And so we're very unlikely either of us to initiate something the other hates. Uh, and, you, you know, if somebody initiates and somebody's not into it, you just kind of like brush it aside and go from there. At eight months, I don't think you've been with this guy long enough to exist in a state of really fully knowledgeable implied consent where you can know what he's into and what he's not into and what goes and what doesn't go. Yeah, most guys, quote unquote, most guys would probably welcome a surprise middle of the night blowjob. And a lot of guys who might not like a surprise middle of the night blowjob because it's going to startle them because they have to work in the morning feel like they have to act like they like it because all men everywhere are supposed to love blowjobs whenever they uh, can get them. Now, I don't want to go all Dr. Drew on your ass, but think of somebody who might be unpleasantly startled from a full sleep, from a deep sleep. Uh, initiation. A lot of people who were molested as children were molested in their beds in the middle of the night. Someone initiated something without their consent. Somebody raped them. And I don't know if that happened to your boyfriend, but that's something you might want to unpack or bear in mind that somebody who had that sort of experience is not going to enjoy that kind of activity. In the future, if you want to initiate something with him when he's asleep, I would or, you know, I would suggest you cuddle up next to him, you grope, you bring him out of a deep sleep to a state of full awareness, and then you say, I'm going to give you a blowjob to him in a semi-dream state. But I don't think you should jump on his dick again in the middle of the night, uh, A, because he didn't like it, the jumping on, ended up liking the blowjob, and B, because there might be something uh, deeper here that you're not aware of yet because you've only been together eight months and you guys haven't done the uh, full disclosure of every last little detail about your pasts yet, but you will soon. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs, plus a free extra gift, plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. 
Hi, Dan. I'm a 38-year-old straight guy, and uh, my best friend is a 36-year-old straight girl. And uh, we've been really close for about eight years. Um, and, of course, I'm starting to think about taking it up to the next level. Uh, I've thought about it in the past, but just in the last year or so, something's clicked, and so it's really started to be the thing I want. Of course, there's the usual concerns about risking the friendship, but, uh, you know, we're adults. I think we can handle that. That should not be a problem. Uh, the one thing that is making me hesitate, though, is she's 36, and she's still a virgin. It's not for any religious reasons, uh, although we share a background in Jewish guilt, so that might have had some effect. And it's not because she's unattractive, because she's got a stunning personality and a crazy hot body. Um, it's just something that sort of never really happened for her. Um, and, you know, to be fair, um, I'm not some great Lothario either, but uh, I've been at least sexually active since my teens, so it feels like there's kind of a, a big experience gap between us. You know, normally I wouldn't even worry about, um, you know, sexual compatibility if I was asking any old girl out, but uh, I've got sort of this strong feeling that if we get started, we could easily fall into like a real relationship pretty fast. So I feel, uh, you know, I figure with such a big disparity in experience, it, I'd like to go in with as much information as I can. Um, I guess my concerns are kind of twofold. Uh, first of all, for her, well, I figure, you know, the best approach is to be patient, listen to her, make it all about, you know, um, you know, sort of being fun and sensual, not about penetration. Um, but I've heard you say a few times on the podcast that women who wait until later in life to lose their virginity often have, you know, a greater degree of sexual dysfunction or, you know, more problems just getting comfortable with sex. Um, you know, are there any particular issues I should expect? Are there any particular warning signs I should be looking out for? Um, is there anything I can do to make, you know, the situation not too intimidating? Um, you know, I want to make sure that however far along we may or may not get, it's going to be good for her. And, you know, secondly, for myself, and admittedly a little greedily, um, you know, as like you say many times, um, you know, we all have a right to a good sex life, and that's what I want for myself too. So um, I'm wondering if I should take the fact that she's sort of held back this long as a clue to us maybe having, you know, wildly different libidos, um, or am I reading too much into that? It's possible that I'm feeling a little bit burned because a couple of years ago I actually did make out with a virgin. I don't know where I keep meeting these girls. Don't ask me. Um, and frankly, that was just god awful. I I didn't know kissing could actually be that disappointing. So, so like I say, I might be a little burned by the virgin concept. Um, so the thing is, you know, I I'd hate to put myself and my best friend on the dating path only to have it sort of fall apart because we couldn't sync up in the bedroom. And I think, you know, that could feel, leave her feeling really, really rejected, and I'd feel really awful for doing that. So if you have any thoughts, let me know. Actually, the studies I've cited show that it's men who are likelier to have sexual dysfunctions the longer – if they wait into their mid-20s, late-20s uh, to lose their virginities, uh, to become sexually active. Not women. Um, it sounds like – you're coming at this with just the right attitude and that everything you've said to me, you should say to her, to ask her out, try to initiate uh, a sexual relationship, a romantic relationship. Be patient. Listen to her. Make it about her pleasure. Don't prioritize pre penetration right away. I would encourage you if you know this woman is a 36-year-old version, she might have some nerves about the, the big penetrate date. So the first few times you uh, are intimate – 
masturbate together, roll around together, have oral sex together, demonstrate to her that sex is so much more than just penetration, which probably looms large because penetration is you know, a huge part of sex and hugely important. But that there's this whole buffet of other crap that you can do, that you can enjoy, uh, and that there's nothing sexually dysfunctional about her in her pre-penetrated for the first time state and that you guys can be intimate and get off together and share your bodies and really enjoy each other as you slowly approach uh, that moment where she decides she's ready for the big penetration experience that she hasn't had yet and really let her direct it. I do think you need to be a little, you know, I don't want to use the word forceful because that sets off alarm bells for people. You may have to pounce. Go rent cabaret. You may have to pounce a little bit. You know, you don't want to hang back too much. Some people aren't turned on by complete passivity or consideration. So you're going to have to learn to read her, see what turns around, talk to her about what turns her on. And she may need you to direct some of it. And what if what you direct at first is we're going to do everything that's so hot, that's so fun, that's not penetration until the day you say to me and look me in the eye, I am going to jump on your dick tonight and then go for it. Hi, Dan. I'm not really sure that there's a good solution to my problem, but hoping at least to make me laugh at myself. Um, let's see. I am a 36-year-old virgin, which is not fun. I've um, been working on it for a couple of years now and getting nowhere. You'd think you'd be able to lose your virginity pretty easily at my age, but apparently not. I guess the major issue is that I'm pretty overweight. I've lost a lot of weight, but still... Size 1820, and apparently that is pretty unattractive. I've been on websites trying to just date like a normal person, but that doesn't seem to work. And sorry, I thought, okay, I'll just get it out of the way, do a Craigslist casual encounter, and even that blew up. Ended up meeting a guy tonight. We talked a little bit in his hotel room, and then he said he's not feeling it, and I did the walk of shame right out the room. Anyway, um, I don't know. I don't, I'm just at my wit's end here. I don't know. I didn't think I was that unattractive, even overweight, but apparently I am. Um, I've had a guy just tell me I look like a transsexual, which was fun, you know, but then... I don't, I don't know. I just don't know what to do. Um, okay, so say something funny and make me laugh because this sucks. I don't know if I can make you laugh. I don't know if that's even the right response to your call. I feel for you. I feel bad for you. Here's what you got to accept. You are what you are. You got what you got. You know, you, you say you're big. There's plenty of big women out there who are getting laid. You say you're ugly. There are plenty of ugly people out there who are getting fucking laid. I don't know what exactly you've done wrong. It sounds like you have insecurity issues about your looks, duh, about your body size, duh. And you need to own it, embrace it, and put it out there. Put out what you got. If you're going online and you know, you're putting up pictures that obscure your size, you're going to attract attention from guys who are then going to reject you based on your size. So you need to lead with your size. For a lot of men, particularly men in their late 30s and 40s who have gotten over only, you know, the the hang up about fucking a guy that their, you know, other guy friends aren't attracted to, a lot of these guys who are into big women by the time they're your age are embracing their attraction to big women. So lead with that. Do personal analysis. I'm a big girl. 
and I want to get my big girl pussy fucked. The end. And just like run with it and and see what you get. Now, you had this one meeting with the Craigslist dude, casual encounters. That can be scalding the casual encounter a thon that is the internet because people accept or reject people instantaneously and based on looks and vibe and when you're in the place you are emotionally i don't think that's the right spot to be looking a craigslist assignation because you're setting yourself up for that kind of walk of shame scalding rejection you know nine or 19 or 49 times out of 50 that's like getting hit by lightning uh, a casual encounter response where you're into them they're into you and the sex happens and it's awesome that's really, you know, without being in the room with you and being able to assess what else might be going on with you emotionally or socially, the best that I can do, put out there, put out there what you got. You got to love who you are. The city that you're in, based on your area code, has uh, a BBW group. It has people of size organizations. It has, you know, uh, burlesque dancing troops for big people. Don't feel like because you're big that you have no right to sexual desire or sexual experiences, no right to sexual agency. Go join – go take a class from the big BBW burlesque troupe. They teach them and learn to inhabit and love your body and learn to lead with your body because as I said – for some guys, what you regard as the impediment to any sexual experience or to losing your virginity is what will attract them to you. It is what will help you have your first experience perhaps and, and lose your virginity. You're going to want to get online, go on the BBW groups, talk to other women, learn from your big sisters about how to spot the cruel and sadistic fat fetishists who want to fuck you because they think you're disgusting consciously or subconsciously from the decent nice guys who are just into big girls and they are out there and other women who've been down the road that you're on can help you uh, tell those two tribes of guys apart. Good luck. I'm sorry. That's the best I can do. Not a lot of laughs. Hey, what's up, Dan Savage? Uh, I'm a 22-year-old uh, guy. Um, this call is actually about a situation I had with one of my roommates. Um, this guy has actually been was seeing this girl for about a month now, and uh, a couple weeks ago, I actually they had a date at our apartment, and I was I decided to do a noble thing and just not <laughs> be around, give him give him some privacy. So I gave him about six hours, and he doesn't have a phone, so I was going to call him, you know, text him, say, "Can I come back yet?" So I just came back after around six hours, and. It turns out that they left our apartment door unlocked. So I just walked in, and they were on the couch um, with her. He had his pants down. She had her pants down. Yeah, um, he's kind of like a social inept kind of person. He went to a Catholic boy school, so he's not really he, – he thinks that nothing can be awkward or embarrassing. Let's put it that way. But she was visibly upset. I just want to know, like, how I should, like, if there's anything I should say to her, or then I should, I should, you know, extend an olive branch to her and just say, hey, I'm sorry about it, you know, then you know, walking on you guys, but you should have had the door locked, or you shouldn't have been in the living room on the couch naked. My roommate hasn't talked to me more than like saying hello, and since then 
he's a little pissed off as well that I told a few friends about what happened. He said that he should have been able to tell the story of how they hooked up. I don't think that's what worried her because she was just upset that they were caught. So any advice you have for me, that would be great, Dan. Thanks. So your roommate's the social leotard because he went to a Catholic all-boys school. I did too. And yet you're the cringing, guilty, self-critical, paralyzed pussy. I thought that's what Catholic schools churned out. Cringing, paralyzed, self-critical scrotums, pardon me, not pussies. Look, you did nothing wrong. You gave them six whole solid hours to get the fuck to get it the fuck done, and then you came back and you walked into a shared public space and they were naked on the couch? Fuck the both of them. And you have a right to your experiences. You have a right to go to your friends and say, God, you know what just happened to me? Blah, blah, blah. Fuck your crazy-ass social leotard roommate and fuck his stupid girlfriend. If she doesn't want her nakedness uncovered by roommates, she shouldn't be naked in an area, a part of the house, where roommates come and go. Get off your fucking knees, scrotum. Stand up for yourself. Don't let them walk on you. You did nothing wrong. And you should be aggressive about communicating that to these dim-witted, inconsiderate, selfish fuckwits. I understand the impulse to, to want to make amends because, you know, your presence made them uncomfortable. Your presence while they were fucking was entirely their fault, but it made them uncomfortable. Part of that impulse, though, is the erroneous misconception that these two people are going to be a part of your life forever. Therefore, you must patch things over. You must make things – you must smooth things out and so you guys can all get along. You know, this guy and his girlfriend are two people that as soon as you're not roommates anymore, you are never, ever going to see again for the rest of your fucking life. So don't assume that you have to fix this because they're going to be part of your lives forever. They are not. You are under no obligation to fix this. You should laugh in their faces and tell them it was their own fault. You're sorry that you blundered in because you didn't want to see it either and then refuse to discuss it with them ever again. And remind yourself every once in a while that a year or two from now, you're never going to see them ever again. Hi, Dan. It's a strange problem. I'm a very comfortable and out fag. I'm 26. I'm in an open, long-distance relationship with a man. I have this fag hag. Um, she's a great, understanding relationship with her husband. Uh, he's a homebody that gets to bed at 9, and she and I go out really late all the time. And we spend a lot of time together. We drink a lot. We have a lot of fun. So... Um, in the last month or so, this fag hag slash best friend, we, we've engaged in some sexual behavior. Um, this week it got really intense and we fingered each other. Um, we, have, we have a really open, great line of communication to the whole process. And it's fun, you know? I was like, it's like is this your clit? And she's like, yeah. And I said, do some kegels. What do they feel like in my in my fingers? And that was really interesting. Um, and I really like exploring her body and being able to ask her about these things. And she kept me rock hard the whole time. Um, it, it's a little bit like experiencing the excitement of sexuality for the first time. And we might... 
We might fuck eventually. I'm not sure. I'm not counting on it. But we're friends before we're anything else. So my question is, what should I do about her husband? We not only live in the same small neighborhood, and I see him all the time, and he thinks of me as being a great friend for her, and he and I are friends, too, so it's strange to keep secrets from him. I'm not sure if I need to end my most important friendship because I care about her relationship with her husband. I would totally be up for a threesome with them, but he's not really my type, and I think it would get complicated. Dan, I was happy before being a gay guy, fucking guys, and doing what I have to do, but I don't know what I have to do to get everything that I want without ruining my most important relationship. You know there's a, a, an option besides fuck your fag hag and end, or end the relationship. What is, is it? Uh, stay friends and keep your hand, keep your fucking gay paws off her clit. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, out of respect to her husband and your relationship. You know, every time a fag fucks his fag hag, an angel dies. <laughs> it never works out well. It, it always brings up for the fag hag sort of her unresolved attraction issues, if that's, you know, partly why she's into you. And, you know, God knows what it's bringing up for you. But it sounds like you're just delighted by the, you know, the weirdness of it all. And, um, you know, the out-of-body experience of the, you know, being, of feeling a woman's body. Is that not it, or are you bi? It's, no, that's, and that's new. It's not totally new for me. I, I've tried these sorts of things before, and I'm, but you're right. I, I mean, it's, I, I'm curious, and that's about, that's what makes it erotic, is, is um, indulging myself in it in sort of curiosity. It's the, but it's not, there's no emotional or real, like, deep-seated sexual attraction to women or her, right? Um, I, uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. Maybe, no, you're right. No, no. Okay, and the odds that her as a heterosexual being truly attracted to you emotionally and sexually are really high. Mm-hmm. So it just feels like exploitative potentially, and, like, it won't end well, particularly if she is married and her husband doesn't know that this fag, who he would, of course, presume isn't fucking his wife, is fucking his wife. Yeah. And you have a boyfriend? Yeah, I do, and, and, and we have a really know. great open relationship, and he does know. And, oh, okay, cool. And everything's fine there. Um, it's just this husband. Yeah, that's that's it. That's And it. we took it to the kind of the next level, um... Uh, since since I called you, what level is um, that? well, <laughs> we had a we had a, a threesome with one of our friends, and that's where I realized that it's just kind of. Um, I mean, I'm kind of you realize being that died. <laughs> a part to like some of the things that she wants to do, some of the. Um, rebellion that, that she wants to uh, that she wants to pursue and what the hell and I don't want to like, be is she pulling this all off on her husband for some revenge reason is she no no no, no about no. marrying young like, no 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 what do you mean rebellion I, I I think that she just wants to just try some things and and go crazy and have fun and without whatever husband's knowledge or consent yes you shouldn't be and, um, to that 
particularly if you have to see this guy all the time. I mean, you shouldn't be a party to it, period. But if you have to see this guy all the time, how, yeah, in fact, how is he I going to like, react when, it, as it inevitably does, this comes out? He's going to be heartbroken. He'll be heartbroken, and, and hopefully that's all he'll be. He won't be violent. No, no, there's nothing like that. Um, just be, he'll, it'll be so sad, and he didn't do anything, you know, he didn't ask for any of this. Um, well, then stop doing this to him. Yeah, I know. I will. I, you need to ask yourself if there's, you know, if you're a fag who wants a fag hag, if there may not be a higher quality fag hag out there available to you. <laughs> there already are. <laughs> okay, you know, I, this old relationship, you know, the most important friendship that you have, you need to pull her up short and say, all right, we've gotten out of control, we've spun out, this is not cool, it's going to really hurt your marriage, it's going to really hurt your husband, I don't want to be a party to really hurting your husband like that, so we need to pull the way the fuck back, and not yeah. the fuck off, and you need to stop doing this to your husband, who's a lovely guy, until you have his consent to explore an experiment. You need to not yeah. fuck off. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to have that conversation. Um, it, it's gotten weird in the last, like, few days. Like, really weird. And, um... Who'd you have the three-way with? Oh, uh, a really beautiful straight guy, actually. Like, it made it really, really good for me. Like, not just, like, this is fun and interesting. It made it, like, really, really fucking hot. Yeah, and, sounds hot. Um, uh, so she cheated on her husband with a straight guy and a gay guy. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Yes. Um. <laughs> you know, I'm not a big fan of monogamy. I am a big fan of honesty. Uh, yeah, yeah. And unless there's something going on in their marriage that gives her cause, you know, like her husband is completely sexually unavailable to her and has cut her off and isn't interested in sex and has given her, like, some indication that will turn a blind eye to her having adventures to get her sexual needs met as long as she stays with them, blah, 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 doesn't sound like that's the case, is not okay. Right. And when the inevitable crack-up comes, you're going to get hurt, too. Totally. Knock it the fuck off. You know better. I know. And you're a fag. And how old are you? I'm 26. You're a 26-year-old fag. Are you decent-looking? Yes. You can have all the three ways you want with a million people. Uh, you don't right. have to dip into fag, married fag hags. Right. I'm just, you know, there's I'm just... bi women out there and women out there who are so into fags. I hear from them all the time. And, <laughs> and there's plenty of other dudes who'd want to have a three-way with you and your boyfriend and, you know, heteroflexible single dudes and swinging couples that would love to have a bi-curious gay guy come by and diddle them both. You don't have to to satisfy your curiosity. Fuck your oldest friend behind her husband's back. Yeah, that's that's true. I, I don't. So don't. Um, so stop. It's the worst thing I ever did. <laughs> All right, talk to you later. Oh, thank you, Dan. Bye. Hey, Dan. Um, I just listened to uh, your most recent podcast, um, and I just wanted to thank you for standing up for people um, who feel that, uh, or who have a, a partner who is uh, disabled, um, and feel the need to um, have some kind of uh, sexual and, in some cases, emotional relationship outside of the marriage to save their sanity. Um, my father passed away uh, about three years ago. 
well, from a very long illness that lasted about a decade, and it began with a major personality change. He became combative and angry and, and very difficult to live with. Um, and then by the time he passed away, he was no longer able to eat. Uh, he couldn't speak. He couldn't walk. Uh, he couldn't uh, control his, his bowels. Um, and my mother stayed with him uh, and throughout that whole his whole illness. Um, and really for for about the last six years she was working uh, almost 80 hours a week she was working three different jobs um, because she was the only one who could earn uh, in income and um, after excuse me about um, two years before he passed away she uh, met a gentleman whose uh, wife had passed away a few years earlier he had nursed her through uh, a much shorter illness um, and they developed, my mother and this gentleman developed a friendship and then uh, developed a, uh, that turned into a sexual relationship. And you know what? That relationship saved my parents' marriage. Um, I don't think that my mother could have stayed with my father, who by then was um, very angry and, and very cruel to her, uh, really. Um, and... She in in her relationship with this gentleman, she found uh, she had somebody who, who cared about what was going on with her. She had been living her life entirely for my father, doing everything for him, um, and now she had in uh, this gentleman the opportunity to to have somebody care about her. Um, about six months after my father uh, passed away, um, she and this gentleman got engaged and then got married shortly thereafter, and uh, while. I and my sisters saw how happy um, they are together. Uh, my father's family uh, shit a collective brick, um, and they uh, tried to take back gifts that had been given uh, to my mother and my father as a wedding present 35 years ago. And uh, they have essentially told my sisters and I that we are no longer part of the family. They've hinted that maybe um, we are the product of some other affair that our mother had. Um, and have really been very uh, unkind to the woman who took care of their son and uh, brother and uncle for a lot, a lot of years. Um, and so I just... I really thank you for uh, letting people know how important and how much an affair, I hate to even call it an affair, but how much an affair can save a marriage, especially when one partner becomes uh, unable to really be a partner anymore. So thank you so much. And I love the podcast. Thanks for your call. And what a shame that your father's side of the family is so batshit crazy and so unchristian and so ungiving and so and lacks compassion so thoroughly that they can't recognize the heroic thing your mother did by honoring her vows, sickness and in health, till death do part, and did what she needed to do to keep herself sane. My best to your mother and your stepfather. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question for a future show, give us a buzz. 206-201-2720. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com where you can read the Savage Love Letter of the Day. And me and the tech savvy at Risk Youth will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for downloading.